Good morning. If you all could go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. And go ahead and grab any writing materials that you all might have with you and just write down anything that stands out to you as we read today's scripture verses together. The Bible reads, Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring, and once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. And so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha, and they fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived, and he jumped to his feet. May God have his blessings, for these are his words. Amen. God, today we're thankful to be in your presence. We're thankful that so long ago you arose from death to give us life. And God, we're thankful for not only that, but what you have done in our lives and what you want to do through our lives. And we full-heartedly believe the truth that if we're not dead, we're not done. But we know that even with you, we're dead we're still not done because life and hope belong to you and we live in you as you live in us and so today we step forward full of life full of hope to declare that message to a hurting world around us because where you are there is freedom and where you are there is life and life lives in us not to die in us but to be shared with the world around us and you've given us life to give to all the people around us and so today we declare the truth in love of who you are and that is that jesus is still the hope of the world and so today, God, we lift you high. Come and have your way in our hearts, in our minds. And speak to us and let us never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. If you're in-house, you can sit down unless you want to shout back, of which I will invite you to do so. There we go. It's been a long time since we've had a live audience. This is, yeah, it might get a little, what is the word, crunk? Is that the word? Is that the word? Crunk? Is crunk the word? Is that it? It is. Caleb knows. It's crunk. We might get a little crunk up in here. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. We are finishing. I don't know if you're sad or you're happy or you in the midst of all this craziness even know where we are, but we are finishing a series called Legendary today. And uh, it's the last one, but it's, it's, uh, it's coolest story ever. Corinne has already read it to you. And it's so fun. I love this story. And, and today's title, if you're, if you're taking notes, which you have to, because that's the new rule. Um, if you're taking notes, the title of today's talk is Reviving Remains. Reviving Remains. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you're looking forward to it as well. Let me tell you real quick before I jump into it that next week we start a brand new series and it's a little sketch. You want to know what the you want to know what the title of the series is? They don't want to know. Apparently, the team doesn't want to know. They don't act like they want to know. So maybe you and you want me to give them another chance. Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all want to know what the title of the next series is? There, now we're talking online. You ready? It's called Unnaked. Isn't that great? That's how I like my people. Unnaked. 
most of my people. And, and I, like, I like them unnaked. And we're going, to teach, we're going to teach you about what the Bible says about how to be unnaked. In other words, how you are to clothe yourself in certain things. And we're going to be talking from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. Fantastic sermon series. I'm already learning a ton from studying it, and I know you will too. And I'm going to just be honest with you. Some of them are some toe-steppers, toe-stepping sermons, and they're going to be live in-house uh, so it'll be a little exciting. It'll be fun. And once you join us for that, whether you're digitally joining us or in person joining us for that next sermon series and uh, unnaked, I'll sh- we'll share some stuff this week. Uh, social media, you can get the word out and have some fun with the graphics. Don't worry. They're, they're not, um, I'll leave that alone. Uh, they're not sketch or anything like that. But, but uh, today, talking about reviving remains. And I know Corinne's already read the scripture to you, and so I just want to kind of bounce back to it a little bit and talk about it. It's such a cool story. This is a crazy story most of you probably don't even know is in the Bible. Let me go ahead and talk to our team real quick that's in-house. How many of you guys have never heard the story that Corinne read today, where Elisha's dead in the grave, they throw this other dude's body into his grave, and the man comes alive? Put your hands back up. Put your hands back up. If you're online, put your hands up too. Wait, 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 wait. Over half of our team in-house has, didn't even know the stories in the Bible. It's such a cool story. Isn't that the greatest story ever? Can I tell you something? I was, uh, I, I was, I was with my brother a couple years ago, and it was before we started afresh. And, um, and, and I was with my brother, and we, I was preaching in a little town in southern Virginia called Hillsville, Virginia. Now, if you've never had the pleasure to go to Hillsville, Virginia, um, you're not missing anything. So I was preaching there and, uh, and, and for my friend uh, Gerald, and, and it was so much fun. We had a great time. Once I was finished, I finished on, I think it was, I finished, I think it was a Sunday. I think it was a Wednesday to Sunday. And, and when I finished, my brother and I drove at that morning. We drove that afternoon to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I got to hear one of, the, one of my favorite communicators on the planet preach that night. And, and he preached on that story, on this story. He preached it. And he called it the Remains of Revival. It was the end of Code Orange Revival to Elevation Church. And, and I heard Pastor Stephen Furtick preach this message. And so if you've ever heard him preach that message, I'm not going to do it justice. So I'm not even going to try to preach his sermon. And we're just going to stick it way over here somewhere. But when I heard it, I never heard the story like that and brought to life the way that he brought it to life. And then when I read it, all I could think about was his sermon. Do you know how hard it is once you hear someone preach a really good sermon to write your own? It's not easy. And so without thinking of that, and so I, I, was, I was under pressure. You got to be better than Stephen Furtick. Well, that's an impossible task. And so um, God has given me a second-rate message to share with you this morning. No, I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. I'm just totally just joking. Um, but we are going to dive into this. And so, and, and I, when I got to this story, and, 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 I, and, it, and I was reflecting on that, and I, I remember he did a play on words. And you want me to be 100% honest with you? I don't remember his sermon at all. I've totally forgot what it was. I just remember that was the story he preached from. Hopefully, that's not the case for you next week, okay, that you will remember. But I got to it, and I remember he, all I remember was he did a play on the word remains. And I thought, that's, I can do that. That's good. That stuck in my mind. And I thought, if that stuck in my mind, and that's the only thing that stuck in my mind, I'm going to make sure it sticks in your mind, that reviving remains is what we're calling it. And I want this idea, the word remains, to stick 
in your mind beyond today. And we're going to do a play on words because of the way that it works in the sermon, but, or in the talk, but let's talk about it for a minute. There was this, there was this group of raiders, and I know y'all thought they just existed in Oakland, but they don't. They existed back in the Bible times too. And they would come into Israel, what's to say, every spring is what you read, every spring that they would come in and raid the land of Israel and take their, their, take their treasure, take their people, and they would just raid the, the land in, in every spring. Well, one time they were coming and these guys were having a, a funeral procession and they got all scared because the raiders came and, they, and so they threw this, their friend's body into the tomb, happened to be the tomb of Elisha. The man's body rolled into Elisha, touched his his dead bones, and he and the man came back to life. Now you know that if you were the friends that threw his body into the grave, and that man comes strolling up to you next week, you are gonna be scared up out of your mind. Ah, you know how many funerals I've preached. You know how many people whose funeral I've preached, I've seen after I've preached the funeral? None. But these dudes had to be scared out of their mind. What has always scared me is that someone would do my funeral while I was still alive. And I would be trapped underground. So just burn me, y'all. Don't even go that route because it's not worth it for me to wake up three days later. You know what I mean? Just burn me and I won't have to deal with that. It's, it's terrified to me, but you know these dudes were terrified when their little friend they threw in the, in the tomb came walking back out. He touched Elisha's bones and came back to life. And it, and, it, and, it, and it made me think of something. We've talked about how Elisha's life was legendary and how he did twice the amount of miracles of Elijah. And I wonder for you and I wonder for me, it's a simple little takeaway. There's nothing super deep about it, but I wonder that Elisha's physical remains have been so touched, his life had been so touched by God that even after he was dead, God still used him to bring life into somebody else physically. And I wonder that if it's true for him, what remains, not physically, but what remains spiritually after we are dead, that if someone were to bump into someone else's life, we touch. That if someone were to, were to bump in to something that we influenced after we were dead and gone, that if it would be enough to give spiritual life into who they are and to revive them and to show them the same life that we lived in Jesus while we were alive. That what remains behind you, if your remains spiritually, what is remaining after you're dead and gone would be powerful enough if enough of Jesus' power or the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would be enough to bump into somebody else and to raise them spiritually from the dead. That's my hope, is that maybe that I can touch someone's life or this church can touch someone's life that lives beyond me so that when someone else bumps into their life that was changed by our lives, that it would still be life-giving beyond our physical lifetime here on earth. See, that's what it can look like when you have something that remains. When, do your remains give life? Will your death give life to other people even after you're gone? You know, I used to say all the time that, and I still say all the time, if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're still breathing, you have a purpose. But I have 
to change that just a little bit for today because I think that as true as that is, I'm convinced that if Jesus lives in you, that even when you're dead, he's not done if he's changed your life enough that it went through you, not just to you. And that's the hope of what we do here as a church, and that's what we want for your life. May you not sit through this whole series and not let it be affected, or you be a part of our church and not be affected in some way that it's not so much that God changed you and you alone, but that the change doesn't just affect you, but it goes through you to change the world around you, that you don't see people the way you used to see them anymore, so they are changed differently, and they give life because you gave them life because Jesus gave you life, that when you interact with people, no matter who they are, that the same grace that you extended is the same grace that they now extend that gives life to somebody else because Jesus changed your life and you in turn changed their life and they pass it on. What will you leave behind? What remains? Are your remains spiritually life-giving enough to revive someone who is not living in your lifetime? What are you doing today that's going to affect you beyond your death. How many times do we worry about things that only affect us in our life? I mean, we stress when we leave, when we leave, well, maybe not you because you're watching online, but when us in-house today, when the team, when we leave this place, a lot of times what would happen is we're going to argue about where we're going to eat. What are we going to eat? What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Whatever you want. All right, well, where do you want to go? Do you have something in mind? whatever you have in mind, and you'll get in a fight. Well, fine. We just won't go anywhere. Fine. We won't go anywhere. And now everybody's in a fight about what they're going to eat that scientifically should, unless you got some problems, pass through your body in the next 12 hours. It's not going to affect you for eternity. Paige, you okay? I know you get sketched out when I talk about things like that in church. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's like, we're arguing, we spend all this time and all this energy being mad at somebody else and literally getting physically and mentally perturbed at normally our spouse about fighting of where we want to go to eat that's not going to matter in 12 hours. Yet what, if we're willing to give that much energy to something that's not going to last beyond a day, how much energy do we give to things that will give life after we're dead? How much grace will you be able to extend physically Mentally, politically, spiritually. What are you willing to not say in order to continue giving life? What are you willing to do and to say in order for life to continue beyond you with what remains? Not about you, but for me, when I die, I want my remains to not just tell a story. Of, I don't want it to tell a story of my life. I want it to give life in reflection of Jesus' life. I want it to be something that lives beyond me and through me to my kids and their children and their children. And I want it to so affect not just my family's life, I want it to affect their friends' lives. And I want it to affect 
not just an area or a region. I want it to affect not just a country. I want it to affect an entire generation of people who is touched and given life, no matter who they are, what they believe, or what they look like, because of the life that Jesus has given me. And when I focus my attention, not on me and my desires, not on me and my political views, not on me and my preferences, not on you and your political views, not on you and your preferences, but when I focus my attention on Jesus' love through me, that I can lay down my life, my preferences, my views, my beliefs for the same people that Jesus laid down his life for, maybe then his death can have life not just in me, but through me to the world around me that lasts beyond me. Maybe my remains can bring revival in the next generation. That when somebody just bumps into something, even comes near something that is left behind from the life that Jesus lived through me, that it radically doesn't just change them, but changes from death to life. Now, you imagine this. I know it changed that dude. (laughs) I mean, that's an understatement. It changed him. It took him from death to life. But you just imagine when he walked back to his friends, when he went back to the life with new purpose, that now... Elisha's life didn't just affect this guy. It affected all the people that he came in contact with because it was strong enough to completely transform him. That it started affecting his parents and his kids and his brothers and his sisters and all the people around him because he came close enough to Elisha to get a little bit of Jesus in him. And if Jesus lives in you, even when you're dead, God's still not done. And I think that's what God really wants to happen in our lives. It's for our lives to continue, for his life to continue giving life beyond our life, beyond our lifespan. So what are you doing intentionally? Do you intentionally pour into your children's spirituality and the faith, the life that God has given you? I know. Let me just be honest with you real quick. I'm going to go over my, I'm two seconds over my, 15-minute limit, but I'm going to go an extra two minutes, just two, that's all, and, and then we'll move into God in prayer. I promise, <laughs> but I told the team when we switched to this new format, I told him, I said, if T.D. Jakes himself was in here, he's only getting 15 minutes. <laughs> I got 17, so <laughs> get on there, boy. Uh, so I, I got to be honest with you. For me, as a father, as a pastor, you would think that Oh, you know, Pastor Aaron probably has to go. They, they probably pray as a little family and they do these things. And just to be honestly truthful with you and, and stuff, my wife has to tell me to lead my family spiritually. It's true. It is embarrassing for me to be like, all right, guys, let's pray. It's embarrassing to me. I don't know why. I'm just being transparent with you. It's embarrassing to me. I find it embarrassing to be the person in the crowd who's like, you know what? Let's pray right now for that. Let's just go ahead. Let's just pray. It's awkward for me. I'm supposed to be the pastor and it's awkward for me. I'm the father. I should do that with my family. And the reason I think it's hard is because everything that's worthwhile is. Everything that's comfortable may not always be the most worthwhile. And I think that God has called, I, I bet you, if I walked around and I were to say, is this uncomfortable for you too? Every, most males in the room would say, yeah, a little bit. Is it uncomfortable? It's awkward and uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. Is it hard? It's hard. It's awkward, isn't it? It's just one of those things. 
It's just a little, but you know how rewarding it could be. And, and I think that's the point, is that when we step into things of difficulty, that, that it, it makes me wonder, I have to intentionally do that because my natural self is not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not that person. I don't want to step in and do that. But, but when I do, it means that I'm stepping in with intentionality and now I am making it a point that my life is going to matter. What God and Jesus has done in me is not gonna stop with me. It's gonna go through my kids. Even, I'm not going to make them believe anything, but I sure as heck am going to stand there and pray and let them know that the same God that did something in me can do something through them and that they don't have to worry where I stand on their side because Jesus in me stands with them and for them. That even when they feel they've done something unforgivable, that he's still in them and with them and working through them. And that's the beauty of their story is the redemption of what he can do through them. But that only happens when I step in with intentionality. That only happens when I get outside of my comfort zone and stand there and lead my family, lead my friends, step in and be Jesus to them in every situation. Is it uncomfortable? Hell yeah, it's uncomfortable. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it to step in and watch my girls never have to wonder if, if Jesus can do something through their life because it's already been passed through mine that if they can see Jesus through me, then their friends might see Jesus through them. And one day when I'm dead and gone, that the same life that Jesus poured into me that set me free, that allows me to walk with purpose and walk with hope, not having to be bound by the circumstances of what's happening in the world or what's happening politically or what everybody else says about me, that I don't have to worry about anybody or anything. That same freedom now doesn't just live in me. It lives through me to the world around me. And the world will never be the same when we all live intentionally beyond our life. But that is this moment, and that is today. Every moment. As we move into our guided prayer today, you got your journals, take them out, write it. I want you to write this down. And we'll put this into action. And the first thing that I want you to do is three things, three things you're grateful for. Whether you're doing this digitally, physically, y'all need to go get one of those new or fresh journals. God will bless you for it. <laughs> and you can write these down, three things. Three things you're grateful for today. I believe that you should start with gratitude. Our next series, the very last sermon I'm gonna preach to you is on gratitude because it shouldn't just start with gratitude, but it should end with gratitude because when you frame everything with gratitude, it gives you the correct perspective. Gratitude, three things. Three things you're grateful for. Next thing, we're gonna put this into practice right now. And I want you to write down what is an area in your life? What is something specific in your life that you are that you know if this area in this area of my life it's not life-giving beyond me? Here's something I put a lot of attention to, a lot of time to, and it's not giving anybody any life beyond me. Here's an area of my life I'm struggling, I'm failing, where this is not somebody bumped into this area of my life, they're not gonna get life from it. It's not gonna change them. What is that thing? Secondly, how can you give, make that area of your life life-giving? That specific area. How can you make it life-giving? What can you change in it? Write it down. And thirdly, once you write those two things down, 
the last thing I want you to write down is who in your life, what people in your life can you invest most into the things that God has given you that you can give freely to them intentionally that it lives beyond you. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you don't have family and maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it, it. Maybe your teacher and it's children you work with. Whatever that people group or that person is, you write that down under there. We're gonna pray through that in just a minute so that we can internalize it and make it, make it reality. But the last thing I want you to write down is I want you to write down three people you're praying for, whatever need you have, not in your life, in someone else's life. I believe when we pray for the needs of others, God will meet our needs. The Bible says, and Jesus said, your heavenly father already knows every need you have even before you ask it. So let's focus on the needs of others. What, what three people or what three needs can, are you praying for today? Write it down so you remember them. And we'll guide you through this prayer. I want you to pray it right where you are. You can pray it out loud where you are. In your home with your family, you can pray it out loud. You can do it quietly, reflect on it in your mind. However it is you need to do it, we're gonna put this into practice right now. And so God, today, we wanna express our gratitude for these three things. And go ahead and name the first one. God, I'm thankful for this and this is why, or who and this is why. And secondly, God, I'm thankful for this today and this is why. Thirdly, God, this and this is why. Moving down to the practice today where we can internalize this talk. Just go ahead and talk to God and tell him this is an area that I'm struggling with. This is an area that's not being reproductive of who you are in my life. That if someone bumped into this area of my life, they're not going to, going to see you. They're not going to be revived in you. They're not going to have life in this area if they bump into me. And this is what I'm going to do to change it. I'm going to do this thing. Whatever number two was, I'm going to do this to change it. Thirdly, God, I want to be intentional about pouring into this person. So today I commit to intentionally pouring into these people or this person, whatever that thing you wrote down for number three is. Because I want the life you've given me to live beyond me through their lives, to change the world beyond me. And then I want you to take those three last things, those needs to God today, whatever they are, whoever you're praying for. God, I pray for this need, number one. And what I would encourage you to pray for needs, whenever you pray for needs, I encourage you to pray that his will will be done in it. It's letting go of your control. I think a lot of times we pray with control. God, do this. And I want you to pray that his will will be done in it. As Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that way, whatever he decides to do, you're on board with, even if you disagree with it. That's where faith comes in. Number two, second need, God, here's the need. Pray that your will be done in this need as it is in heaven. And God, here's the third one. We give it to you, put it in your hands. It's no longer ours, it's no longer theirs, it's simply you. Stand with me today and we'll close out in prayer. If you're in-house, if you are watching from home, you want to stand, please feel free to stand wherever you are. If you're driving, please don't stand. Keep driving. But I do want you to pray with us today.
God, we are thankful. We're thankful that in a world where sickness is rampant, that we are here, we are breathing, we are relatively healthy. We thank you that today we are alive. And we thank you for the gift of life. And no matter what situation that we are in, even if we are sick, it could be worse. And so we frame it with gratitude today, knowing that it is only by your grace that we are coherent to hear today. And so as we are coherent to hear, may we respond and react with love and compassion to the message that you've spoken personally to our hearts today. God, today as a church, it is our mission to love people into relationship with you. May that be the only way that we bring people into relationship with you, to love them into relationship with you. May everything we say be out of love. May everything we do be out of love. May everything that we think be out of love. And may it draw people into relationship with you. We will not coerce people. We will not hammer people. We don't need them to see our point of view. We simply need to love them, all people, into relationship with you. May we be faithful to the mission you've called us to. God, we believe you've given us a unique message that isn't just for our region, but it's for our world. And you've entrusted it to us. And so we will be faithful to carry it to every place that you give us an opportunity to carry it to, whether that's digitally, whether that's physically, whether that's on vacation or whether that's where we live or at work, everywhere that we go, we take that message that you've put in our heart and we deliver it to the people by the way that we love and the way that we live. So that what, wherever we are, whatever remains there after we leave gives life and loves people into relationship with you. We are thankful that you have given us a mission. We are thankful that you have equipped us for the mission. We are thankful that we believe that with you, the best is still ahead of us. So we will march through this time and through this season. We will step into the calling you have placed in our hearts. We will not stop. We will not back down. We will fight. We will step forward. We will share the message. We will live the message and we will give your love no matter who stands in our way. We will declare that you are and that you are for us, not against us, that you are for the world, not against the world, that you lay down your life for them, not just to save them, but to give them life for today and hope for tomorrow, that you have greater things still to come and that hope lives in you, love lives in you, and that today we declare that hope has a name, love has a name, joy has a name, and that name is Jesus, and it's the name that we declare over our city, over our lives over our church, over our country, over our world. And we will not stop until that is the only name that is above every name. That we put it in the place that it already is in heaven. And we know that with you, the best is still yet to come. So have your way through our lives this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday, guys. God bless you.